My memory is not nearly as good as my sister's was. I don't remember much from high school. I don't really remember the names of any of my teachers, and I certainly could not pass a geometry test if my life depended on it. I don't remember how I managed to pass chemistry because it didn't make much sense to me. I do, however, remember that if I was ever home by myself as a teenager, especially in the evening, I often blasted the CD Immaculate Collection, which was a greatest hits album released in 1990 by Madonna. As I mentioned in a previous episode of the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, I borrowed the CD from my sister and never gave it back. I still have it, as a matter of fact. If anyone walked past my childhood home in the mid-1990s, they likely would have seen me dancing to Get Into the Groove, my favorite Madonna song at the time. I often danced in my black umbro shorts, perfect for both soccer and dancing in your living room. A few lines from that song, in hindsight, really applied to my situation at the time. The song goes, Only when I'm dancing can I feel this free. At night, I lock the door where no one else can see. I'm tired of dancing here all by myself. Tonight I want to dance with someone else. I think there are many stories like mine, as Madonna has been a part of our musical culture for decades at this point. It's hard not to dance whenever I hear Like a Prayer or Lucky Star or Get Into the Groove, of course, and I know I am not alone with this thought. On today's show, we will be discussing the performance icon and arguably the original queen of pop, Madonna. You will learn how she went from being a lost little girl in the Mitten State, aka Michigan, to a naturally gifted dancer, to being known all over the world, to being banned from the Vatican, of all places. Madonna's goal early on was to be famous and to leave her mark, and she has stopped at nothing to make that dream a reality. And I really and truly mean nothing. Her story of perseverance is absolutely incredible and inspiring, one that I wasn't aware of. So put on your stonewashed jeans, your black lace gloves, and your dancing shoes. Here we go. Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. All aboard! Anyways, you are tuning into episode number 17, Madonna, the incredible and controversial journey from determined young woman to becoming the most successful female recording artist of all time. Madonna Louise Ciccone was born on August 16, 1958, in Bay City, Michigan, which is about two hours or so northwest of Detroit. She was the eldest of six children born to an Italian Catholic family. Her father's name was Tony Ciccone, and her mother's name was Madonna Fortin. Her father was an engineer at Chrysler. Since her mother's name was Madonna as well, her nickname growing up was Little Nani. Not known as much about Madonna's mother, but unfortunately, in 1963, when Madonna was just five years old, her mother died of breast cancer. Understandably, she was devastated by the loss of her mother. 
Her father would go on to hire a succession of housekeepers to care for all of their children. He ended up marrying the second housekeeper he hired. Her name was Joan Gustafson. Madonna resented him for it. It also didn't help that Joan was incredibly strict. Madonna hated to admit it, but Joan's strict nature did have an impact on her. Her father and stepmom ended up having two children together, bringing the grand total to eight. Even though her relationship with her father was strained at times, when she was little, she often slept near him, afraid she was going to lose her dad as well. Coming from a Catholic family, she was confirmed in 1966. Religion would end up being a reoccurring theme in her music and music videos in the future, much to the dismay of religious groups, but more on that later. Madonna was incredibly bright and did well in school, often earning straight A's. In addition to her academic strengths, it was quite apparent in her early years that Madonna was also incredibly gifted when it came to dancing. She was eager to formally learn how to dance, so after taking piano lessons for some time, she asked her father if she could take ballet lessons instead, and thankfully he agreed. When she was just 12 years old, she and a friend hitchhiked to a holiday camp in Michigan where she went disco dancing. She was there with a friend named Moira, and she could not believe what an amazing dancer Madonna was. Everyone there was watching, mesmerized by how well this little kid could dance. It sort of reminded me of the time I went to a wedding reception with my parents when I was in elementary school. After dancing to a few songs, the DJ called me a young Paula Abdul. You know, and I'm sure I was just as gifted of a dancer as Madonna was and is. Okay, not so much, but that was certainly a very flattering compliment to be received in the 1990s. It's the nicest thing anyone has ever said about me. Okay, again, that's not true, but anyways. When Madonna was in high school, she was incredibly involved and committed to furthering her skill with dancing. She was a cheerleader for her school, and she was also a mentor for a program similar to Big Brothers Big Sisters. She danced in her school's talent show and blew everyone out of the water. Lake Michigan, that is. Anyways, even her cheerleading coach would make her dance because people couldn't believe that someone so young was so talented. Whenever there was a school dance and she started showing off her moves, everyone would back up and circle around her so they could catch a glimpse of her dance floor dominance. The same thing happened to me because I know all the choreography to some of NSYNC's best songs, and when I would go out dancing with my friends when I was younger... People could see that I knew the choreography and they backed away because, you know, darn right you want to see what the choreography looks like for Bye 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 or Dirty Pop. Anyways, she was so committed to learning dance and furthering her skills that she would often drive to Detroit for lessons and that wasn't a short trip. She was definitely her own person, even as a teenager. Apparently, she often did handstands and did cartwheels down the hallway of her school. Madonna's goal as a young person, was to become a performer and ultimately to become famous. She wanted to succeed and to be admired and to be loved. Madonna graduated a semester early from high school. Remarkably, she earned a full scholarship to the University of Michigan to study dance. Her professors often remarked that although she was small, Madonna's about 5'5", and while in college she's probably around 100 or so pounds, She was incredibly strong and absolutely stood out. Even as a freshman, she was often cast in the school's stage performances, which was very rare. She was so naturally talented that her professors felt she could have become a professional dancer had she not 
gone into music, which we'll talk about later. To help diversify her dance repertoire, Madonna often went out to gay bars with some of her professors and dance teachers. I never went out dancing with my college professors, but most of them were gay. Interesting. Her dancing style was very theatrical, and her fashion sense was already incredibly unique, two things that further added to her stage presence. In the late 1970s, after studying dance for about two years at the University of Michigan, Madonna dropped out and decided to move to New York City. She didn't want to go the traditional route anymore. She wanted to do everything she could to get and be noticed. Many articles and interviews indicate that Madonna arrived in New York City with less than $100 in her pocket. Madonna knew how to conserve money, though. Having grown up in a family with so many children, her parents taught her how to conserve. She went to New York City without her father's permission or blessing. For many years, Madonna was essentially a starving artist. At one point, she and a boyfriend of hers lived in an abandoned synagogue. One of her dance teachers in New York helped her land a job at the Russian Tea Room in the coat room with the understanding that they would feed her as the teacher was concerned she wasn't getting enough food. She also had a stint as a model for artists, whether they be painters or photographers. She was very natural as a model, and her eyes drew people in. She would often fall back on this job if she was in need of money. Madonna also worked as a waitress for a short time at Dunkin' Donuts, and I completely forgot that they used to have waitresses, but they did. And she was allegedly fired because she squirted jelly in a customer's face. Yikes. Madonna is unapologetically sassy, so I wouldn't be surprised if this story was actually true. While Madonna worked these odd jobs, she still continued pursuing her dream of becoming a performer. She got a job as a backup dancer, performing with the Patrick Hernandez Disco Review. And although she got to travel to Paris, Madonna really didn't enjoy this experience. I imagine that was because she really didn't want to play second fiddle, if you will. She wanted to be front and center. In addition to being a struggling artist, Madonna was sadly the victim of an assault that happened in 1979 by an unidentified man. This was a horrific experience, to say the least. However, Madonna realized she needed to become more aware and street smart, and I think anyone who has even a vague sense of who Madonna is knows how powerful, commanding, and aware she is. In addition to getting her artistic fill with dancing, she also started to get interested in playing and performing music. And in that group, she played the drums and the guitar, if you can believe that. She eventually started to sing more with the group, and that became her musical focus. As I previously mentioned, Madonna was essentially squatting in an abandoned building, the synagogue, with her boyfriend, but they eventually had to leave when the electricity and water got shut off. She ended up living where she and her band recorded music. There wasn't a shower there, so she essentially took bird baths in the bathroom sink, which only ran cold water. She left that band and formed another one called Emmy with her boyfriend at the time, who was the drummer. On the side, they started writing some songs together, but soon Madonna started to emerge as a solo act. As she was producing music, at first she was encouraged to pursue rock and roll and was told to try and emulate Pat Benatar, who was incredibly popular at the time. Love is a battlefield, anyone? It is so true. It is a battlefield. However, Madonna and Stephen Bray, her boyfriend, the drummer at the time, were composing more pop-slash-disco-type songs. She had found her niche. 
they started to put together demo tapes, which would prove to be a brilliant idea. She was really starting to go somewhere and ended up getting hooked up with a manager. When the manager heard that she was living at the recording studio, she immediately moved Madonna to a hotel, coincidentally called the Star Motel, but the living conditions weren't all that much better than she had experienced previously. The hotel was pretty much run down, and she lived next door to a man who had recently been released from an insane asylum, and it sounded like he wasn't really getting much help while living there, so she would often hear him screaming and in distress. She did manage to befriend the landlord, though, and would often visit with her, and they would have coffee together. Eventually, she moved out of the motel and into a small apartment. Unfortunately, drug dealers and violence had a pretty heavy presence in her neighborhood. She noticed that kids were often lookouts for the drug transactions, and there was a special whistling sound the kids would make when a police officer was spotted. She actually befriended a lot of the kids and would play music with them. Madonna didn't have much of anything, but she did have quite the collection of synthesizers stacked in her apartment. These kids were very protective of Madonna. They would walk her down the street at night to make sure people left her alone, and they would rarely let a man Madonna was seeing come into the apartment building. They just didn't trust them. Unfortunately, one day one of those kids turned on her and broke into her apartment, stealing all of her equipment she had worked so hard to purchase and acquire with the very, very limited resources that she had. And if that wasn't bad enough, because Madonna had so little money, it was hard for her to eat an appropriate diet. She had to budget her money each week to purchase things like peanuts, cheese puffs, and yogurt. Despite all of these setbacks, which I think would send most people crying home to their parents, I honestly would be one of those people, she did not give up. And never, for one second, did she doubt that she wouldn't reach a spotlight, and that her situation was permanent. She knew, deep down, even when she felt like calling home and crying, that she had to make it on her own and not ask for help. Impressive. Much like she had done for years, Madonna went out dancing almost every night while living in New York, and she also had some demo tapes in her pocket. Her story reminds me a bit of MC Hammer. You should check out my episode on MC Hammer if you're interested. He has a pretty incredible story also. She would often ask the DJs at various clubs to play her music, and it was almost always well-received and people danced to it. One DJ named Mark Kamens heard her music, and as it turned out, he was also a music producer. He thankfully had connections in the industry, and he gave one of Madonna's demo tapes to the president and CEO of Sire Records, Seymour Stein. Sire Records is an offshoot of Warner Brothers Records. Stein actually listened to the music while he was in the hospital. He was so impressed that he asked Madonna to be brought to the hospital to discuss a future with the record company. Madonna signed a deal that included the release of several singles, first being Everybody in 1982, followed by Burning Up in early 1983. During this time, Madonna also auditioned for a role in the television series Fame! I'm Gonna Live Forever! But unfortunately, she did not earn a spot because her audition felt a bit flat. Although Madonna has gone on to act in a lot of films, she often receives this criticism. Back to the music, though. Both songs, Everybody and Burning Up, were smash hits, especially in the club scene. The success of this led to her first studio album entitled Madonna, which was released in July of 1983. This album featured memorable songs including Borderline, Lucky Star, and Holiday. Pretty amazing that her first album had so many great hits on it. 
Madonna really wanted to have control over the production of her music, beginning with her first album. Sire wouldn't let her, though, because she really didn't know what she was doing. However, she was a quick learner and incredibly determined, as we've learned. And by the time her next album came out, Like a Virgin, Madonna was in charge. She collaborated with several producers on the album, and it became a number one hit on the Billboard charts. It was the first album by a female artist to sell over 5 million copies. To date, it has sold over 21 million copies. This album includes hit songs Material Girl, Angel, Dress You, and of course, Like a Virgin. Madonna got a lot of flack for the song Like a Virgin, as people assumed it was all about romantic escapades, but really it was about experiencing new things for the first time. And again, you know you've made it when Weird Al Yankovic does a cover of one of your songs, and Weird Al did do a cover of Like a Virgin, only his song is called Like a Surgeon, cutting for the very first time. It's a great song. It's so simple, but so much fun. In 1985, Madonna starred in the cult classic film Desperately Seeking Susan alongside Rosanna Arquette. She contributed the song Into the Groove to the movie soundtrack. Into the Groove was Madonna's first number one single in the United States. She started to have a huge impact not only with her music, but also with her unique sense of style and fashion. Many female, and male I would imagine, fans also bleached their hair, wore fingerless gloves, as well as stonewashed jeans and skirts. In April of 1985, Madonna started her first tour in North America called The Virgin Tour. Her opening act was the Beastie Boys. Oh my god, I wish I could have gone to that. She also married Sean Penn that same year. He was sort of the exact opposite of her. She craved and loved the spotlight, and he absolutely despised it. Their relationship was, unfortunately, extremely tense. Madonna would later recall that part of Penn's appeal at the time was that he reminded her of a young version of her dad. In 1986, Madonna released True Blue, which was inspired by her marriage to Sean Penn. It would end up being her best-selling studio album as 25 million copies were sold. The album includes such hits as Live to Tell, True Blue, Open Your Heart, and La Isla Bonita. A year later, in 1987, Madonna embarked on the Who's That Girl world tour. Many attendance records were broken during this tour. For example, 130,000 people attended a show near Paris, which was a record at the time for a concert performed by a female artist. Whenever she traveled somewhere, it was absolute pandemonium and fandemonium all over the airport. I believe it was called Madonna Mania. During this tour, she visited North America, Europe, and Asia. 1989 marked the release of Madonna's Like a Prayer album, which featured several producers, but most notably, Prince played a significant role in its production. As a matter of fact, I believe Prince plays the guitar riff at the opening of the song Like a Prayer, which I may remember from an episode of Pop-Up Video, which makes me feel really old. Anyways, this album sold 15 million copies. It also features the popular songs Cherish and Express Yourself. Express Yourself has a pretty memorable music video that opens with Madonna shouting into the sky while sitting atop a large cement swan. Much of the music video is set in a warehouse where Madonna's love interest works. He, of course, always has his shirt off, don't we all, and gets dripped on by oversized pipes. The extent of his job responsibilities seems to be adjusting bolts with a large wrench and taking breaks to wrestle with colleagues. 
It sort of showcased steampunk style before steampunk was even a thing or a phrase for that matter. And at some point on this podcast, I want to do a show solely dedicated to highlighting the many music videos of the 80s and 90s that were all set in warehouses because that seems to be a theme. I mean, remember Pleasure Principle by Janet Jackson or Another Night by Real McCoy? Both were set in warehouses, and there are so many, many more. But we'll get to that at another time. By 1989, Madonna's popularity was on the rise, and this was apparent because she was offered a lucrative endorsement deal with Pepsi involving being in a commercial. Unfortunately, I guess the timing just wasn't right. Madonna had recently released her music video for Like a Prayer, which is an amazing song, but it was very upsetting to a lot of religious groups because it had a lot of symbolism in it, like a cross-burning, stigmata, and it shows Madonna having some romantic involvement with a saint. Pepsi ended up revoking the commercial and the Vatican condemned the video. Regardless, though, this song ended up being incredibly successful, and I would say this song was my sister's favorite and mine as well. It's such a classic song, and like so much of Madonna's music, it stands the test of time, and it doesn't really sound dated whenever it's played. Also in 1989, Madonna and Sean Penn got divorced. There has long been a rumor that Penn was very abusive toward Madonna and at one time was extremely intoxicated and allegedly tied her to a chair and roughed her up. In 1990, Madonna starred in Dick Tracy and contributed several songs to the movie soundtrack, including the classic played in gay bars all over the world to this day, Vogue. That same year, Madonna performed Vogue at the MTV Video Music Awards. If you don't remember it, the performance was quite risque for the time because she and her dancers were dressed in low-cut Victorian dresses, and there was suggestive dancing, if you will, which certainly wasn't out of the norm for Madonna, but nonetheless, I think it struck the wrong chord with a lot of people. I think this performance was another instance where my mom jumped in front of the TV to block and, you know, censor the presentation. My mom often did this when my sister and I were kids if something came on TV that she wasn't expecting to and she felt was inappropriate. I believe she also did this when we watched Pretty Woman. For some reason, she didn't turn off the TV, she just jumped in front of it. And you know what? It was effective. And I respect her for that. I'm not kidding. In 1990, Madonna embarked on her Blonde Ambition Tour. It was during this time that Madonna really started to showcase the conical corset that she had become well-known for. She liked to wear underwear over her clothing, that's fine, and Michael Jackson liked to wear shin guards like a catcher in a baseball game, but his were gold and not for baseball. So strange, but they both kind of made it work. The music video for Justify My Love was also released in 1990, but it was pretty risque also and deemed inappropriate for younger audiences. MTV wouldn't play the music video before 9pm, and the independent broadcasting company banned it in the UK. Erotica was released in 1992. It was definitely a shift from her previous albums and wasn't as commercially successful. It still garnered positive reviews from critics and sold well, all things considered. Some of the songs in this album were a bit more personal, as she had recently lost two friends to AIDS. This was the first of Madonna's albums to have a parental advisory warning on it. And and did that warning really prevent any teenagers or younger people from purchasing CDs? I don't think so. But anyways, 
Erotica was the lead single, and it peaked at number three. Shortly after this album's release, Madonna was officially banned from the Vatican, being demoted from simply being on their you-know-what list. Hint, hint, it starts with the letter S and rhymes with bit. (laughs) Fever, Bad Girl, and Bye Bye Baby are some of the other singles. The album sold 6 million copies. 1992 was also a tough year for Madonna because she was stalked by a man who threatened to kill her and she had to testify against him. He ended up going to jail for a number of years and then went to a psychiatric hospital that he ended up escaping from. Thankfully, though, he was eventually located and was taken into custody. Bedtime stories followed in 1994. With the release of this album, Madonna tried to return to more mainstream music due to the more explicit content she had previously released in a book you wouldn't want on your coffee table if your grandmother was coming over, and you can just look that up, and also because of Erotica, which was released two years prior. Some of the memorable songs from this album include Take a Bow, Secret, I love that song, and Take a Bow is excellent as well, and Human Nature which is probably one of the most bizarre music videos, even for Madonna, that she's ever released. First of all, in the music video, Madonna is clad in what appears to be a fully pleather outfit for the duration of the music video. She also has cornrows. And cornrows didn't work on Madonna, didn't work on Justin Timberlake either, but gotta give him props for trying. I think they also used some recycled materials from the set of Hollywood Squares, as in several scenes, Madonna and her backup dancers are provocatively moving around in squares that are stacked on top of each other. I think they also purchased some dominatrix equipment off of Craigslist, as there are many chains and ropes present in the music video, as well as a small leather-tipped stick that Madonna uses to tap a dog on the butt with. It's very odd, and one of those videos that tries a little too hard to be artistic, and in the end, the audience is left confused and uh, uncomfortable. And sometimes I have this experience where I think to myself, you know, maybe I'm just like not artistic enough to really get this. You know, I don't really understand this painting or this photograph, but when it comes to that music video, I think it just kind of sucks. And that's the God, and that's the God honest truth. And I would know because I'm an expert on music videos. But anyways, certainly it's not one of her best moments, but so many of her music videos are the gold standard for music videos. Bedtime Stories sold 8 million copies worldwide. Something to Remember was released in 1995. Many critics felt that Madonna had already reached the peak of her fame and was going to be dethroned as the Queen of Pop. The hope of this album was to showcase that Madonna was very musically talented, not just a controversial star on the front of every frickin' tabloid magazine. This album sold 10 million copies and included some well-known songs that weren't previously released on a Madonna album, including I'll Remember and This Used to Be My Playground, both excellent songs. Madonna's discography also includes songs on various movie soundtracks, including Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which was featured in the 1996 film that she starred in, Evita. Ray of Light was Madonna's seventh studio album, and it was released in 1998. It is one of my absolute favorite Madonna albums of all time. It's a bit of a departure from her traditional sound, but it works incredibly well and is very catchy and well-produced, and it still sounds good to this day, 22 years later. The album actually took a long time to record due to technical difficulties. It was the longest recording period in Madonna's career for one album. 
That being said, the long wait was definitely worth it. Some of the hits from this album include Frozen, Ray of Light, Nothing Really Matters, and Power of Goodbye. Some critics have said it is one of the greatest pop albums of all time, and I would agree. And once again, I I mean, I am an expert. I mean, my bachelor's degree is in outdoor recreation, leadership, and management, so, you know, I have a good sense of this kind of thing. And I can play three guitar chords. Anyways, even my grandmother liked this album. I was always notorious for making mixtapes and later mixed CDs as I was growing up. I worked on accumulating a lot of my behind-the-wheel time for my driver's license with the help of my grandparents, and this album came out the same year that I was learning how to drive. I spent a lot of time in their maroon Buick LeSabre, driving through my hometown. Because of this, I, of course, spent a lot of time putting together mixtapes, and one of them had several of my favorite songs on it from the Ray of Light album. My grandmother, who was in her 70s at the time, really enjoyed the sounds and lyrics of many of these songs. Ray of Light went on to win four Grammy Awards and sold 16 million copies. In 2000, we were graced with there being no impact whatsoever from the whole Y2K panic thing, thank God, and also with Madonna's album, Music. The album sold 4 million copies within the first 10 days of release, which is unheard of by today's standards. The album also has an electronic slash dance vibe, kind of like Ray of Light, but with a bit of a cowgirl flair, if you will. I think everyone started wearing cowboy hats because of her style during this time. I spent a lot of time in the early 2000s going out dancing, like I mentioned before, with the NSYNC choreography, and that's a true story that is not made up. And not that that's anything to be proud of, but every young girl on the dance floor was rocking a cowgirl hat, but not nearly as well as Madonna did, and certainly not as good of dancers either. This is yet another excellent and progressive album. Both music and Ray of Light sounded like nothing else on the airwaves in the late 1990s and early 2000s. And much like the rest of Madonna's musical repertoire, the sound is incredibly timeless. Music features classic songs such as What It Feels Like for a Girl and Don't Tell Me. 11 million copies were sold. American Life followed in 2003. It was a bit more of a controversial album as it focused on various aspects of American culture and has more of a folk or folktronica sound. Say that 10 times fast. Some of these singles include Love Profusion, Nothing Fails, and Hollywood. Madonna performed at the MTV Video Music Awards in 2003 and sang Like a Virgin and Hollywood. In the performance, Madonna is dressed in black, perhaps going for a traditional groom look. Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were also on stage with her, and they were both dressed in white like a bride. During their performance, Madonna very dramatically kissed Christina and Britney, and as expected, a lot of controversy followed this performance. Nonetheless, the album did pretty well despite mixed reviews and sold over 5 million copies. Confessions on a Dance Floor was released in 2005. Right around the same time that I was at the height of my Confessions on a Dance Floor, let me just tell you. This album went back to her roots a bit as it had more of a disco and club sound to it. The album was primarily recorded at Prince's studio, believe it or not. Popular songs include Sorry, Get Together, and Hung Up, which sampled ABBA's classic song Gimme Gimme 
a man after midnight. Apparently, she had to beg them to let her sample that song. The album achieved more success sales-wise when compared to a previous album, selling 10 million albums and launching a very successful tour. Hard Candy came out in 2008, and it was the last time that Madonna recorded with Warner Brothers Records after an incredible 25-year run. Several producers helped her with the album, including Timbaland, The Neptunes, and My Imaginary Husband, Justin Timberlake. And I know that he's listening. And Justin, I love you. What time are you coming home? Oh, never? Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Anyways, my favorite song from this album is Four Minutes, which is a duet with Justin Timberlake, aka JT, which is a dream come true. Although the album didn't quite generate as many sales as previous albums, it did result in a tour entitled Sticky and Sweet, which is the second highest grossing tour of all time, coming in just behind the Rolling Stones. In 2012, Madonna performed during the Super Bowl halftime show. More people watched her performance than the actual Super Bowl itself, which is totally how I go about it. Madonna was in her mid-50s during this performance, but you'd never know it. Her performance was fun and captivating, and her dance moves were stellar, and all were done in heels, which is pretty typical for her. It makes my arches hurt just thinking about it. 2015 saw the release of Rebel Heart. Madonna worked with a lot of different artists on this album, which makes it feel a bit inconsistent compared to others. However, it does show that Madonna is not afraid to experiment with different sounds like reggae, pop, acoustic, and even gospel. Mike Tyson apparently makes a cameo on the album. It sold about 1 million copies. More recently, in 2019, Madonna released her 14th studio album entitled Madame X. It was praised for its unique and progressive sound. It was influenced by her move to Lisbon, Portugal. And finally, a movie based on Madonna's life is currently in the works. A release date is to be determined, unfortunately, of course, because of COVID and other factors, but I will definitely check that movie out when it's released. I'll end this week's show with a few fun facts about Madonna that you might not know. First, she is the first and only artist to achieve a number one song on various Billboard charts over the course of five consecutive decades. Before she injured her knee and COVID-19 hit the world, Madonna was on a small tour for her album, Madame X. She banned all cell phones from her shows and performed in small venues to make the experience more intimate. I would have loved to go to one of those shows. Madonna has composed many of her hit songs, even ones in her early days like Lucky Star and Borderline, with the help of a synthesizer, of course. Madonna was one of the earliest adopters of the hands-free microphone, which she uses while performing. I mean, how can you do the arm waves behind your back while performing Vogue if you have a darn microphone in your hand? I know I couldn't. Madonna is deathly afraid of thunder. Madonna has several acting credits, including Evita, which we talked about, A League of Their Own, The Next Best Thing, Truth or Dare, Vision Quest, and many others. Apparently, she has kind of given up on acting, but is looking at doing stuff behind the scenes. I believe she is directing the biopic about her. She's even starred on Broadway in a play called Speed the Plow that was a box office smash even before it premiered because of advanced ticket sales, 
when people heard Madonna was in the show, everyone got a ticket. Her favorite adult beverage is a lemon drop, which contains vodka, lemon, and sugar. Madonna is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most successful female recording artist of all time, having sold over 200 million records worldwide. We touched on her studio albums on today's show, but there are several greatest hits albums, remix albums, and soundtracks, all on her resume. Madonna has published 10 books. Several of them are for children, which is a far cry from the other book that she wrote. Anyways, she was offered a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but she turned it down. Madonna has been a vegetarian for decades and in more recent years describes herself primarily as a vegan. Madonna apparently hates the color orange. She has six children, Lourdes, Rocco, David, Mercy, Esther, and Stella. With the exception of Lourdes, her children were primarily adopted from Malawi. In addition to her difficult marriage to Sean Penn, Madonna was married to director Guy Ritchie from 2002 to 2008. Like Michael Bolton, Madonna was also a fan of the infamous bistro chair, which was often found in music videos in the 80s and 90s, and maybe I should also do a show on that, which would probably be a very niche audience, but I just think it's an interesting coincidence. However, instead of merely leaning on the bistro chair, she often incorporated them into her dance sequences. Case in point, her Express Yourself performance at the 1989 MTV Video Music Awards. It may seem impossible to believe, but Madonna has always been very health conscious. She does not use drugs and didn't when she was younger either, at least nothing that was noted or that I could find. She also didn't allow cigarette smoking in the recording studio. She once broke up with a boyfriend because he was addicted to heroin. Madonna has been nominated for 28 Grammys and has won seven in her amazing career. A few lines from Madonna's song, I'll Remember, remind me a lot of my sister. I believe this song originally appeared in the classic film A League of Their Own. As I mentioned in my introductory episode, I want to live, eat, and breathe the things that my sister was into, so... Whenever I'm working on a show, I do just that. I sort of, you know, consume myself with whatever the topic is. So for the past week or so, I've been listening to a lot of Madonna's music and found myself listening to this song, I'll Remember, which I've always loved, while driving, but it's sort of taken on a a different meaning for me these many years later. A few of the lines that I can relate to and remind me of my sister now uh, now that she's not here and a few of those memorable lyrics. And I'll remember the love that you gave me now that I'm standing on my own. I'll remember the way that you changed me. I'll remember. I learned to let go of the illusion that we can possess. I learned to let go. I travel in stillness, and I'll remember happiness. I'll remember Now I'll never be afraid to cry. Now I finally have a reason why. I'll remember. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the unrelenting determination and success of Madonna. I had no idea that she had to go through so many hardships to get where she is today. My sister and I have long loved her music, but this makes me like her even more. 
Her life has so much to teach us about determination, persistence, and how to endure instability, to put it lightly, when you have a dream. She really is an inspiration. And I feel like a lot of what I learned about Madonna through my research is not very well known, further attesting to her character and apparent humbleness at times, which is not something that I think people typically associate with Madonna. If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use. Please also rate the show on Apple Podcasts as it helps out the show. Please tell your family and friends about the show. You can contact me anytime. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at popcultureretro. I hope you'll join me for my next show, where we will discuss the horrific and terrifying movie, which is aimed at children, but is kind of disturbing, called Return to Oz. I hope I don't regret researching that show, and said research will certainly occur during daylight hours whenever possible. And just in time for Halloween. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.